Yes, we would. Let's jump right in um, to the second part of this message, Pentecost Sunday. If you would, open your Bibles up to the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8. They can put that on the screen for y'all as well. Acts chapter 1, very familiar verse in verse 8. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everybody say witnesses. Father, we thank you and praise you um, for Pentecost. Help us, Lord, by your spirit, reveal the truth that we can understand and grow in the knowledge of you and in the power of your spirit to be an effective witness. In Jesus' name, amen. I will do a little recap from last week before I get started in this week. We said last week and we shared that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We said that he rose from the dead so that we might have new life, and praise God, it's eternal life. So we, we see he, he bled and died, and it was the payment for our forgiveness to reconcile us into right relationship with God. And then, hallelujah, he was buried, and it also shows the death to the old man, Praise God, we were circumcised from our heart. Our old nature was cut out, buried with him. That gets rid of the old man, the old nature. Praise the Lord. And then he rose from the, from the dead, and now we have a new life in him. I've already begun my eternal life, church. I'm not waiting till I die to start eternal life. I have it now. I'm going to lay this body down and keep on living. So we've got that eternal life in us right now. But praise God, and then he was exalted, and we, because of that, we have received the outpoured spirit. So I like to say it like this, the remission of sins is not based on any human merit, but on the Lord's crucifixion. Regeneration, causing you to be brand new, is not based on any human merit, but on the Lord's resurrection. And the endowment with power of the Holy Spirit is also not based on any human merit or anything you do or can do or try to do, but it's based fully on the Lord's exaltation and glory. Amen? Because He was exalted to the right hand of the Father, put in His right place of King of kings and Lord of lords, the promise of the Father went through Him and poured out upon us because Jesus is exalted. So we have the baptism, the presence, the endowment with power of the Holy Spirit, not based on what we do or try to do or try to be holy or how long we fast or how long we pray. We have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus is exalted. Amen? Hallelujah. And we're going to share some more of this so we can understand it more clearly. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is not poured out on us to prove how good we are or how well we're doing or to just experience a certain supernatural gift or to separate the body of Christ into denominations. That's not why the Holy Spirit was poured out. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured out to prove how, what you're doing. The Holy Spirit was poured out to prove that Jesus is Lord. 
It proves Jesus is Lord. He's been exalted. He poured out his spirit to live in the body of Christ. And because the spirit lives in us, our life is proof Jesus is Lord. We want our life. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is poured out to be an effective witness that what? Jesus is Lord. When people see you living for Christ with the power of God present in your life, hallelujah, then they recognize the truth that, hey, your Jesus must be Lord. I see the change in you. I see what this belief that Christ has died and rose, what it has done for you, and now you're effectively living it, so it proves Jesus is Lord. Let me, I gave you at the very end of the message last week uh, an example from the Old Testament. I want to um, lay that out a little deeper today. Go with me to Genesis chapter 45. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. If you have it on your phone, go ahead and turn there. I want you to follow with me and see it. Genesis 45... The story of Joseph. This whole chapter, in my version, the NIV, it's titled, Joseph Makes Himself Known. Joseph Makes Himself Known. I'm going to back up just a little bit and go to chapter 44, verse 33. And it says this, church. Now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy. And let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come upon my father here. Now, remember the story. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. What They were going to kill him. He's a picture and a type of Christ. Okay? He was sold by his brothers with the sovereign uh, will of God, knowing what was to come. Amen? That he would one day be exalted and be the deliverance for his brothers. He sold, and now there's famine in all the land. And Joseph has risen to power in command, second in command to the king himself, Pharaoh. Joseph's in charge of all of Egypt. And he's collected the grain and he's deliverance for the whole world. They can't eat unless they go to Egypt. And now Jacob hears about this and sends the family, go to Egypt and get us some grain lest we die. And when they go, Joseph, who looks like an Egyptian now, sees them and recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And then, so he talks to them. He loves them. He understands now that God has put him in this position to deliver his people. And he understands this and he wants to reach out, but he tests them first. And finally, in talking with him, in talking with them, he says, well, look, I'm going to keep this boy, Benjamin. You know, Jacob had Joseph. And then after Joseph, they, he thought they, he was killed. And he had another one, Benjamin, and it's his, you know, his, his possession, his prize. He loves him, and he doesn't want to give him up. And now Joseph said, well, leave me, Benjamin, the one, because he put some silver in his sack you know, as, a, as a test. Leave me, Benjamin, and y'all go back. And, and, and finally, they confess. They're like, look, let me tell you about my family. Let me tell you about my father. Let me tell, tell you about the one that was lost. You can't take Benjamin. Take me instead. Judah is saying, keep me as your slave and say, don't take the boy, it'll kill my father. And now Joseph is recognizing their heart of repentance. Do you see? They have repented from what they've done and they're willing to die rather than to give up another brother. 
So he sees their turn. He see, Repent and believe. He sees that they have turned from their ways and now they're, they're willing to do anything. And Joseph recognizes it. So the whole of chapter 45, it starts out like, like this. Verse 1, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept loudly that the Egyptians heard him and the Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? His brothers were terrified. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Jesus is saying, I know what you've done. I know the struggle, but you know what? I've been sent to a place to pay for your sin, to reconcile you to myself. I, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Come close to me, brothers. Come close to me, my family. I want to restore the relationships that's been broken for years. Come close to me. Hallelujah. He makes himself known. Then it goes on to say in chapter 45, let's look at Verse 19. So Pharaoh tells him, after Joseph reveals this, you are directed to tell them, take some of the carts from Egypt for your children and your wives and your fathers to come. Never mind about your belongings. The best of all of Egypt is yours. Folks, don't worry bring about worrying about your past and your past stuff. Come to Christ, man, God. He's going he's to bless you with everything you need. Amen? Amen? Quit hanging on to stuff in the past. He goes on to say in verse 25 of chapter 45, So they went out of Egypt and came to the father Jacob in the land of Canaan. There was a famine in the land. And they, he came, they came they, so the brothers went to get the family and bring them back to where the life is. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all of Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. Now watch this, verse 27. Chapter 45, 27. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel, Jacob is named Israel, and Israel said, I am convinced my Joseph is alive. You see, they sent 10 camel loads donkeys of uh, 10 donkey loads full of gifts and value and things from the kingdom and they sent it on carts and they sent it and when Jacob at first he said what my son is alive he didn't believe it but when they said yes dad look this is what he said this is what he sent and he's he's the ruler in Egypt and he went out and saw everything he said wow it's a miracle all the things that that Joseph sent wow he must be the ruler in Egypt well, let's relate that spiritually right now. You see, our Lord Jesus has been exalted like Joseph to be King of kings and Lord of lords. And because he is, he poured out the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you that people can see you. See, at then it was physical in the Old Testament. They saw a physical cart with physical value, with physical goods. Right now it's spiritual. When I look at you, Tyler, I see the fruit of the Spirit. I can know that Jesus is Lord because I see the gifts in you. I see the fruit in you. Amen? 
Hallelujah. So it was poured out. I'm telling you, church, Jesus Christ was exalted. And on that basis that he's exalted, the spirit was poured out to dwell in everyone who believes. And praise God, because the spirit is in us, the life of Christ flows out of us. And it proves to others that Jesus is Lord. Amen. You shall receive power. What? To be an effective witness of what? That Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's Lord of lords and King of kings. Amen? Amen? Does your life lack the power? Are you struggling to show others that Jesus is your? Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord, but you're lacking the experience in your life? Well, let me tell you, I've got good news for you. God wants you to experience the victory that he has provided. He provided it so that you can walk in this victory. He won't hold back. He wants you to live in the victory. He didn't die on the cross, rise from the grave, seated at the right hand of the Father, and pour out the Spirit that you can barely make it and barely struggle by. He wants you to have the victory that he has won if you're not having that victory there's some simple practical things to look and to begin to walk in the truth of what the holy spirit wants to show you perhaps you're not listening to the voice of the counselor that he sent to live inside of you perhaps you need to say lord jesus fill me afresh again i need you to lead me and guide me fill me lord amen Perhaps we're needing to say what, um, you know, to repent of some other things in our life and say, Lord God, I believe you're my Savior, but I'm hanging on to this, this, and this. I will not forgive that person who hurt me all my childhood. I will not uh, let you have my finances. I will not give you control of my marriage or who I'm, um, I'm, I'm with, my relationships. No, Lord, I just want you to save me from hell, but you can't have my life. You're going to lack the power in your life. But when you turn and receive and let him fill you in every area, that power that he has poured out will flow up in you and the salvation in you will be worked out in how you live. And now you will be an effective witness that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen? Hang with me, praise God. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Glory to God. It's only 1130 and I got through my introduction. Man, you're going to get a lot today. Luke. There you go. Luke 24. Getting to the end of book, the book of Luke. Here it is in verse 45. The Bible says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. You want to understand the scriptures? He wants, to, wants you to. He can open our minds. He told them this is what was written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You know, it had happened just like that. Read the story. It began in Jerusalem. And then it spread. Just like he said, it spread to Samaria and Judea. And then now it's gone all the way to Winsboro. And Zambia, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Everybody say the promise. Let's say this with me, the promise of the Father. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to 
open that idea to you in a deeper way than ever before today because the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our counselor and what he shared with me he wants to flow out of me and share with you how many believe you're about to receive from the Holy Spirit the truth of his word amen yeah yeah you're yeah amen it's happening the river flows amen it says I am going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands, blessed him. Praise God, he was taken up into heaven. Amen. And they stayed. They went back to Jerusalem because he said, stay in the city. Go back. They went back to Jerusalem. And they stayed continually. Where? Everybody say, at the temple. Okay. They were living at night in an upper room in a house, but they were continually at the temple. There was a great feast day coming up, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot. They were commanded by the law of God to be at the temple during this feast. So that's where they were. And that's where Jesus had told them to go. Amen? Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the grave. He rose from the grave at the Feast of first fruits, the first fruit, praise God, of all mankind. And he said, after this, the law said, count seven weeks, wait 49 days. And on the 50th day, I want you to celebrate Shabbat. I want you to celebrate. They're celebrating one. They're celebrating the harvest that's coming in, the, the wheat harvest. They had already celebrated with first fruits, the barley harvest. Now they're celebrating the wheat harvest. And they're celebrating the giving of the law in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai. So the Jews from all over the world are where? They're in Jerusalem. Where are they? They're at the temple. They speak many different languages from many different places. They're gathered together according to their traditions and according to their law to celebrate the giving of the law and also to celebrate the wheat harvest that was coming in. Praise the Lord. So here they are um, gathered together. And the Bible goes on to say, let's watch this. Praise the Lord. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 3. Now, here's where it's going to get a little deep for you. Okay? Genesis chapter 3. I want you to reconsider the promise of the Father. And let's don't look at it as an isolated incident, an isolated event of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit only. Watch this. The promise is talked about all through Scripture. All through Scripture in a deep way. And it starts way back here in Genesis, praise the Lord, chapter, chapter 3. Amen? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity. Remember the, certain, the serpent tempted Eve and tempted Adam and they listened to the serpent and they rebelled against God and they ate of the tree of knowledge. Now they're doing their life according to what they think is best rather than what their creator thinks best. They're trusting in their own decisions rather than the one who created them. And now um, judgment comes and God says this about the serpent. He's talking to the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring everyone that's following the enemy, the snake, the serpent, and hers. He, when he's talking about her offspring, he's talking about one, really, the prophecy is about Christ. He will crush your head and you will try, strike his heel. 
So here's the beginning of that promise. You see, the promise is more than just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The promise has to do with the redemption of mankind. The promise has to do with sending Jesus Christ, hallelujah, who's going to, at the climax of it all, outpour the Spirit on those who He has reconciled. But the promise is thread all through the Word, and it's the promise to redeem mankind from the loss of the sin and reconcile you back to right relationship with God. The reason He wanted to do that, to cleanse you, is so that He could fill you. Amen? So we see the promise here. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12, we know the story. He calls out Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you. Make your name great and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all people of the earth will be blessed through you. He's making this covenant with Abraham. But when we see him go through the covenant, the blood covenant, we recognize he's really making the covenant with Christ and those of us who are have faith in Christ are part of this seed and blessing of Abraham as well watch this praise God it goes on to say I'm going to give you all this land verse 6 chapter 12 Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree he went at, at that time the Canaanites were in the land the Lord appeared to Abram and said this to your offspring, King James Version says, to your seed, I will give this land. So here is the promise of Abraham that I'm going to bless you, your descendants, and to your seed, they're going to inherit all of us, all of this. They're going to inherit the whole land, which spiritually speaking, he's talking about us inheriting the whole earth. All right, so there is that that promise is made known again there. Okay, now look at look at it again, praise God, and um, go with me to Galatians, Galatians chapter three verse sixteen. They put that one on the screen for you. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. Galatians three verse sixteen. Now here Paul is writing about these promises. And he says in verse 16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Everybody say seed. seed. The scripture does not say into his seeds, meaning many people, but into your seed, meaning one person. And then Paul interprets the Old Testament and tells us what it means. It means Christ. So when God spoke to Abraham and say, I'm going to bless you and you're going to inherit all of this. And this promise is to your seed. God was talking about Jesus. Amen. Folks, I want you to see the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is connected to the promise of all through the Scripture. It's not an isolated event. It's all together. It's much better to understand the God's grand plan for the whole thing, and then you can easily see where you fit in what's happening. But I'm telling you, the promise started in the beginning that mankind fall had fallen, and God was promising to reconcile man back to Himself. Amen? And he was going to do it all along through his son, who through his word, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. God is good. Watch this. The promise, the promised seed 
was about another Adam, the second Adam, to do what the first Adam failed to do. The whole story of the Old Testament, the story when he said, His, her seed will crush your head. Satan deceived mankind. Stay with me now. Shake yourself. Make your mind. Pay attention. Understand with your heart. God wants you to remember this. Okay? God put man in charge. He made a physical man to, to watch over the physical earth. He was a spiritual man connected with God as well. And he gave mankind dominion over all the earth. Satan deceived mankind and took that away. And now we have fallen man in charge with Satan guiding him, leading him, uh, pushing him, doing all. So the world is messed up because fallen man was in charge. But God gave a promise right at the beginning to the woman, said, hey, and to Satan, to Satan himself, look, there's going to be an enmity. There's going to be enemies between your people and Satan, all those who follow him. And I'm going to, your seed is going to crush his head, the head of the authority that Satan had stolen from Adam that's wreaking havoc around the world. He's saying, my seed, the seed meaning Christ, is going to crush his head, eliminate his authority, and give the authority back to the rightful place, mankind on the earth, to fill the earth with his glory. Now, so the first thing that had to happen, this seed, this second Adam, had to fulfill what the first Adam could not. The first Adam in his fallen nature, in all of the Old Testament, with their fallen nature of the seed of Adam in them, could never live up to God's expectations, could never live to the law. But now Jesus Christ comes, not from the seed of Adam, but from the word of God. He is the second Adam or the last Adam. And he is the promise of the Father. It's all about the redemption of man. It's all about his redemption and reconciling back to right relationship, praise the Lord. So the promise of the Father is really God's promise to reconcile and redeem mankind from his fallen state and sin-devastated condition. The promised seed would crush Satan's head and reconcile and restore us to our rightful place with authority and dominion in Christ. Jesus crushed Satan, crushed his plan, rose from the dead, Amen. Exalted with the Father, poured out his spirit to dwell inside his new body, the church. And now he, he said this to the church, all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, you are now in me. I give this power and authority to you. Therefore, go and fill the earth again with what Adam was supposed to do. Fill the earth with the glory of God. Church, when we see it. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a part of this promise of the Father. It's like the climax, the, um, it's like the culmination of the whole plan was now going to be birthed at this sudden moment, hallelujah, 
when the plan of God to redeem mankind and now give him back the power he was supposed to have in the beginning culminates on the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem at the temple. Are you with me? What a, what a beautiful, grand plan story of God. Now that we're reading the Old Testament, we're seeing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're seeing the law of Moses. We're seeing this. When we understand it's all a part of God's grand plan, and we see the scheme of it together, man, it makes us see, as God does, see the big picture of the world and know where we fit in His plan. Church, sometimes we get hung up a little bit. What's my purpose? What's God's plan for me? Quit looking at it like that and think of it like this. What's God's plan for the world? His plan for all of us. What's His plan? And then you can know your purpose is to be a part of His plan. That's it. Amen? Your destiny. This was your destiny. This was your destiny to be reconciled to God by faith in Christ. So He's bringing you to that point where you can hear it and believe it, he has chosen you to be his child. And then he has chosen, praise God, to cleanse you by his blood. And he has chosen you to understand that because he's exalted, he's poured out his spirit that you can have him living in you. And now, praise God, with the power in you to be an effective witness, we can get together in local bodies and reach out to those that are lost under Satan's power. And every one of you that come in the name of Jesus, I crush his head with the power power of the authority of Christ in me and set the captives free. <laughs> Satan has no more bound on your life. You have come in contact with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ, the King of the universe, dwells in His church, and now this life is flowing out of us and flows to you, and everywhere the river flows, everything shall live. You've come out of darkness into His light, and Satan has no more hold or power on you. Any struggle you think you still have is a lie from the enemy, and you can get over it by the knowledge of the truth. <laughs> Woo! The truth, this truth, will set you free from the lie of the enemy. The same lie that defeated the first Adam. Hey, you can have your own knowledge of good and evil, of how to live. You can do it your own way. Oh yeah, you got to do it this way while you're in the center. But when you get out, you can do your own thing. Satan's going to tempt you with that very thing the day of graduation. Oh, you don't have to still keep going to church or be involved in, in God's grand plan, advancing the kingdom, receiving this power, getting together and go to Samaria and go to the India. You don't have to be involved in that. Now that you're done, you can do your own thing your own way. That's the same lie Adam swallowed. Don't swallow it. This truth will set you free. You don't have to go there. Amen? You can receive power, the power of the Spirit living in you to go so, praise God, the big picture, God's grand plan, the promise of redemption, we shouldn't separate the coming of Christ from the promise of the Father. The promise is all through the scriptures. At the day of Pentecost, the outpouring is like the climax or culmination of the story of the promise of redemption. That promise, that outpouring, yes, is part of the promise. 
praise God, it's the highlight, the, the climax of it. Beautiful earth, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion that was lost. Now, praise God, that commission to us has been redeemed and restored in Christ. Now we're taking this and filling the earth with his glory. Now, church, perhaps it would be helpful for all of us to think of it like this. Let's think of uh, the people and the events of all of biblical history, of all of the Old Testament uh, prophecies of the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the law, and all of that. Think of those events of biblical history all as a road leading up, praise God, to a common destination point. All right, see, see, God has a plan and all. It wasn't, all these things weren't just random things that happened. You can't take a story in the Old Testament and say, gee, why did God put that in there? That's a little different. No, it all makes sense. It all lines up. All of those stories is like a common road leading to a destination point. And that point is not just the cross. It's not just the burial and the resurrection. No, again, the cross was the price, but the destination was really Pentecost. That's the climax. That's what he was working toward. That's why he did it. Amen? That common point, praise God, birthed a new race of humanity. You see, folks, I don't see the world anymore as black, white, Chinese, or Japanese. It's not like that. We who have received Jesus Christ as Lord, we have been born again a new race, or maybe a better word, a new species of people. We're the God people. We used to be part of the human race, the natural human race, but that person has died and has been buried, and I've been born again without a sin nature. Here's where religious folks have trouble with it because they don't see. Jesus Christ circumcised my heart. He took my sin nature out and nailed it to his cross, and I died with him, and I was buried with him, and I rose again with him, a new creation with God living in me. And God could not live in you unless you were completely cleansed because God is holy and man was sinful. That's why he died. So if you still think you're a sinner after you've been born again and always going to struggle with your sin the rest of your life and not understanding who you are in Christ, you are insulting the blood of Jesus and not understanding why he came. He came to restore us back how Adam was before the fall. Before the fall, Adam was never going to die. Adam and Eve never got sick. They never got sick. There was no um, broken bones. There was no wheelchairs. There was no mental illness. There was no struggle. There was none of these struggles. They were never sick and they were never going to die. 
Adam lost it. Satan came, deceived him. Jesus Christ, God said through him, you're, you're going to crush his head, his authority over mankind, and I'm going to redeem mankind, wash them with my blood so that I might pour out my Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, to live inside the man again fully. Okay? Yes, church, I keep on trying to explain this. We still have struggles in our mind, in our body, that one day is going to lay down. The last enemy to be destroyed is death itself, and you'll have a new body. But your spirit is holy and righteous and does not sin. The problems between your ears and the soulless realm, where your mind is not fully renewed to understand this truth so that you can fully walk in it. That's why we want you in a small group. That's why we come, want you coming regularly. That's why we want you to get the truth of this word so your mind can be renewed to the truth of what you are in the spirit so you can walk in the victory that's already in you. That's already in you. Hallelujah. It's amazing grace. It's amazing. Praise the Lord. Go with me. That birthing point, the climax of all his plan, grand plan, unfolded in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. This new race of humanity to be called the church, the body of the living Christ. Know you not, know ye not that your body is the temple of the living God? The temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's go over this story and we're going to close. So I'm telling you this. I've asked the praisers to come in a little bit. We're going to sing a song. We're going to gather. We're going to enjoy this birthing point of the body of Christ, the church that he might live in us. And those of us folks, look, who may be still struggling in areas of your life, say, Lord, I recognize, as did Joseph's brothers, there's some things I've been hanging on to. I'm willing you to invade and take over and give you that part of my life too. I repent of this, this, and this. Lord God, fill me. Do you know the Bible says they were filled and later on it says they were filled again and they were filled. It says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled and continue be filled. Lord, fill me afresh. Lord, you died that I might be cleansed. You rose, praise the Lord, that I might have new life. You are exalted that I might receive the fullness of the Spirit. Lord God, fill me afresh fresh daily Lord wake me up in the morning and let me know that your spirit lives in me I'm going to work and I'm about to have a hard day with facing this and this Lord keep me aware of the treasure that dwells inside of me the very presence of the spirit of God that because you sacrificed and paid the price that I might receive see sometimes it's taught in error that after you're saved you have to pay the price to be holy oh my what an insult to christ once you've been born again you have to fast and pray and seek and tarry you know why he told them to tarry or wait a little while because he was going to fulfill it on the day of pentecost everybody was gathered in the temple let me tell you something it didn't happen in an obscure upper room this was the birthday of the church. It happened in the big wide temple where everybody was. They were staying in an upper room, but they were meeting at the temple every day. Amen. And at the temple where everybody was, 
the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind and filled the place. We know the story. I'm going to summarize it for you as we close. Acts. Praise the Lord. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, turn with me to Acts. Chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Which place? The temple. That's where they had to be on the day of Pentecost. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house. That temple was called the house. That was a common name for the temple of the day, the house. God's house, the house of God. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. People were gathered from all over the earth, people of different languages. Peter, James, John, all the apostles got up. They began to proclaim what? They proclaimed that this Jesus whom you crucified has now been exalted to the right hand of the God. He is the one who died and bled. There's no remissions of sin without him and believing in him and now he is king of kings and lord of lords and what you're seeing now is proof of that do you see the purpose of pentecost of the holy spirit living in you to empower you the holy spirit to live in you to empower you that by your life listening to the counselor obeying and following his lead your life will prove jesus is lord Amen. Hey, as we sing this song and close, I'm going to do something like we do on Wednesday nights. We invite folks who've been praying and listening to come to the front, come to the altar. We make our way, way down there, way down here. We come up and we sing the song together, gathered here. You're welcome to do that. As we do, I'm going to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord. You are our Savior. Praise God, you've been exalted. Fill us afresh. Lord, if there's any areas of your life that you haven't yielded to him, Lord, fill me with that. Fill me with your spirit in that area of my life. I'm willing to yield it all. I want all of my life to be an effective witness that you are king and you are Lord. I want my marriage to show it. I want my children to show it. I want my finances to show it. Lord God, be Lord of all of my life. Fill me afresh.